Alright, looks like we're on YouTube. Ooh. 40% oh, of the way to Jesse having to play God of War. Oh, he's excited. He's going to learn so much about Greek mythology. He's going to learn so much. He should watch the Sandman TV series. Probably learn some things about mythology there. There you go. Are you watching it? Are you watching TV? No, I feel like oh. I probably should watch this because I've like read the comics multiple times. Yeah. And I've watched a couple of clips on YouTube. And I just feel like I'm just sort of reading along with the comics in my head and like I can't I can't really be bothered. And you're like what's what's the point of this? Yeah. Hello everyone, welcome to Slightly Something Else, being acknowledged by the chat. I'm Yard Crucial. I'm joined by Marty Sleever. What's Hello, your everyone. like? Should be alright. Uh yeah, how 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 are we volume wise? I'm usually a little loud. I hope we nip that in the bud. Maybe um, I'm a little quiet. Who knows? While we figure that out. Uh today's topic is Bioshock, which is officially fifteen years old today. Is it like exactly today that it came out? It was yesterday. Yesterday. I knew it was yeah, pretty yeah. much exactly today. Yeah. Oh, well, what a 15 years it's been. Yeah, and as we discussed last week, 2007, a, uh, a renowned bad year for games, um, but had Bioshock. No, uh, 2007, your, your favorite year for games ever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. as I said, it was the year Zero Punctuation started, it was the year Assassin's yeah. Creed started, and it was the year Bioshock came out. And Bioshock was... A very significant release, which is interesting mm -hmm. considering the actual quality of the game sort of up and down. But there's a couple of things it does that absolutely blew... What's the phrase I'm looking for here? Absolutely blew something out of the water, fittingly yes. enough. <laughs> there you go. So Bioshock um, being uh, Ken Levine's sort of pseudo-sequel stroke follow-up to the System Shock series... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which this was, was about uh, a main character uh, crashing in the ocean and discovering an underwater city being run according to the principles of objectivism and the place going completely to hell. And I am on record, and I think I stand by this, that Bioshock has the best intro of any game. Thoughts? I'd be hard pressed to. Th I'd be hard pressed um, to think of something that I think has a better intro, honestly. Um, both in terms of uh, sort of a wow factor at the mm. time of of uh, you know what it looked like having the plane crash and then taking the elevator down, getting in the bathosphere, and then seeing Rapture for the first time with with Andrew Ryan's uh, uh, narration. I think was an absolutely phenomenal movie, and just in terms of setting the. Uh, kind of setting the tone and the yeah. tenor for a place. And it also felt like it was one of those, like, holy shit, look at this place. Like, I've never seen something like this in a game before. Um, it looked markedly better than almost anything else that had come beforehand. Just uh, real, real impressive. It's a great demonstration of the sort of uh, opening the box style of intro, where you start off in, like, a seemingly very enclosed situation. Mm -hmm. Like, you're trapped in the middle of the sea, surrounded by fire, there's been a crash, everything's fucked, you're probably going to die. Yeah, and then you, and then out of nowhere, you just find this mysterious lighthouse just rising out of the sea. All done in gameplay, incidentally. When I yeah, some people yeah. when I say it's got the best intro, think I assume, think I'm just talking about like the the pre-animated uh, cutscene that plays just before you you are allowed into gameplay. Not so. I'm talking like the first ten minutes. 
Yeah, and it's uh, it's impressive too how it gains new tech context and gets even better once you get to the kind of the the twist at the two third mark through the game. Um, it recontextualizes that beginning and and makes it even stronger. And so on a second playthrough, which Infinite does the same thing with the mm-hmm. uh, Lutes twins and the he doesn't row, oh he doesn't row kind of thing. It makes makes yeah. more sense on subsequent playthroughs. But uh, yeah, really good. those. Those are the two really amazing linchpin bits in Bioshock 1. The intro mm-hmm. and the twist of the two-thirds mark. Problem is, everything else. Uh, oh no. So the problem well, is only the, the, the rest of the 12 hours yeah. of the game. Yeah, there's a lot of the rest of the game that just, uh, in my memory, just sort of glosses over. I mean, there's other highlights, like the whole Fort Frolic chapter with Xander yeah cohen. yeah with sander cohen yeah really yeah. good but there's a lot of uh, entire there are entire sections of the game just go straight past go straight through my head without stopping mm-hmm. yeah especially um i think for me especially everything that comes after the twist and mm-hmm. the fact that it boils down into a legitimate like a boss fight in a game that you're like why does why yeah, is this yeah, why is yeah. there a final boss fight like as i understand why did, it why did this like thug you know, sort of like shyster thug all of a sudden transform into a supervillain. Yeah, as I understand it, the original plan was to end it on or around the two-thirds mark, but there was some pressure going, no, you got to have a final boss fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, like, to give credit where credit's due, it's impressive that uh, 2K and Take-Two put so much money into this game because Mm. it... Some of it feels so niche, at least even for AAA games at the time, like the melding of uh, some horror elements and, uh, uh, you know, light kind of immersive sim, you know, the kind of DNA that came from System Shock and Thief, the the Looking Glass games, um, just didn't seem like something that was in vogue at the time. And yet, um, I think kind of proved to be a waymarker. Even now, there are a few things that do as much as what Bioshock was doing in terms of uh, theme and setting. And Mm -hmm. this is going to sound weird, but it's very rare to find a game that is actually about something. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I mean, obviously games, most games are about something, but this is a game that's trying to make a point in a larger Mm -hmm. thematic sense. It's exploring concepts from a, in like a philosophical way. Yeah, and it wears uh, it wears a lot of uh, its inspirations on its sleeve, right? Like it's it's very clear that like Ken Levine was interested in, in George Orwell and Dallas Huxley and or Aldous Huxley and, and Ayn Rand, um, and as is not ashamed, obviously the names of characters between um, Andrew Ryan and, and Atlas and everything pulled directly from there. But uh, yeah. you you could tell that Ken Levine is has like a strong interest in film because movies are things that have you know strong thematic through lines like that that a lot of times get lost in games. Mm. And um, I guess he also feels like he has a lot of criticism for objectivism as a concept. He does. Yes. Yes. Is uh, I, I think some of his some of his uh, thoughts get a bit muddied when you start going through the especially into Bioshock Infinite, which um, yeah. I don't know how much you want to talk just... about the. Uh, do you want to talk about the other games at all? Like, do you want to talk about like Bioshock as a as a as its legacy? Because I well, find it kind of fascinating. Yeah, we might get around to it. I think a lot of people talk shit about Bioshock Infinite, but I, li- I like it quite a bit. So do I. So do I. Yeah, feels like a very big swing. 
I mean, there's a lot of if you, there's a lot of nitpicking you can do with the first Bioshock, as is often the case when something is really pioneering. A lot yeah. of the gameplay's got some dodgy notes. The combat's a bit overly hectic for me, mm-hmm. and that sort of carries through in a lot of Bioshock games. Uh, the hacking mini game was uh, a misstep. I think it's fine because I like little puzzles like that. I'm a big fan of little puzzles. So I like doing my little, like, oh, let me create a little uh, highway of pipes in you order to get to my thing. I don't understand right. why it exists, but... You know what had good hacking mini games? Uh, things like uh, the previous Dark Engine games, like System Shock 2 and Thief. Because mm. when you're picking a lock in Thief, you're still in the rest of the game. You crouch down next to a door, picking away at the lock, worrying about what guards are going to come uh, down the corridor while you're trying to work. You're yeah. still engaged with the larger loops of the game. Bioshock, yeah. the, I think the problem, I think what I decided was the problem with the uh, mini game in Bioshock 1 for me was that you get completely locked into it. It takes over the whole screen and the entire game pauses while you're doing it. So you, Yeah, you, there's no, and there's no, you can be in the middle of a firefight. You can, yeah, you can yeah, have, it's an effective you know, you tactic. Go, yeah. If, some, if like a turret's about to shoot your bollocks off, you just uh, hack it and then you've got like five minutes of breathing space. Yeah, it exactly. It sort of, sort of kills the flow. It does, yeah. I, I I think it uh again, it feels like it was doing so many things. Not it's not like a hacking minigame. It was done for the first time. Obviously you were saying it's you know its predecessors uh had those sort of things, but it, it felt like it was like charting new ground for a triple A game and it didn't know what the quote unquote right thing to do in a situation was. So it made a choice and sometimes the choice paid off really well and other times um you know, in, in 15 years in the future, you look back and you're kind of like, what, what the hell? It's, it's, interesting you know, to consider, it's interesting to consider that looking back at what I was saying about Bioshock at the time it came out. Because when I reviewed it, mm-hmm. I was saying it was, I was calling it just like System Shock 2 again, but dumbed down for the console peasants. For the console peasants. Uh, I mean, that's good because this game outsold System Shock 2 by, by I guess. several System million. So. System Shock 2 was always prized for its uh, P- very very PC gamer complexity. Yeah, which I don't... I, I personally... I never really got into System Shock because of that. I kind of um, like that, like that level of interfacing. I mean, System Shock, it was really bad, but in System Shock 2, it felt a little bit more intuitive. It felt more like um, we were really... It felt more like being a hacker, I suppose, that we were messing around with all these like internal systems and bioshock i I never have fun playing those games like i never have a good time i'm never like man that was fun to me it just it feels like having to take out like a little part-time job i'm pretending to be a sneaky guy i think uh the shock series as a whole is all about like these individual moments and they sort of fall apart when looked at as gameplay experiences as a whole yeah, I, I would say that's a that's a pretty uh, uh, pertinent point, uh, especially and I would I think going forward with with Bioshock Infinite. Because I think because I've like played the start of System Shock two many times. I'm sure a lot of people who've been gaming since that era are in a similar situation. The number of times I finished System Shock two, well, actually, I don't think I personally have ever finished System Shock two. Usually, yeah. sort of lose interest after a while. And then why, I do you, at, why do you I think at, that is? Like, do you think it's neat ideas? Well, because the off? you know the introduction and the atmosphere setting is so strong, but after a while, it's one of those RPGs where if you spend your points wrong, then uh, you're kind of fucked at, when you're like three quarters of the way through the game, and there's oh. no way to go back. 
And, yeah, um, that's, there's a lot of, that's frustrating. Yeah, and it's, and, if, and it's possible it goes on too long. You know, it's a lot, there's a lot of constant backing and forthing different areas to find the, all the different bits and pieces to get to make the next objective. It's easy to like lose track of what you're in the middle of and, what you're, and why you're doing it, especially yeah. if you stop playing for like a day and then come back to it. Yeah, I mean, going on for too long is also a problem with, you know, all three core Bioshock games. I think the only Bioshock that's, thing that's a, that so, doesn't yeah. uh, that doesn't wear out its welcome is uh, the Minerva's Den DLC for for Bioshock Two, which mm. might be my favorite bit of Bioshock anything. And part of that is because it's able to you know be self contained in a four hour story. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I jotted down a couple other things that I remember uh, really enjoying from Bioshock. It's okay. uh, how well written and interesting the uh, audio diaries were, and how they let you continue moving while listening to them. So, oh yes, uh, yes, that was a, nice. A plus. Thank you, thank it's, you for not made, making me wait on a, a little screen. It's generally a beautifully written game. Like the yeah. initial, the initial monologue from Andrew Ryan in the Bathysphere is some of mm -hmm. the best writing in all gaming. Yeah, in terms of setting the scene and establishing character, and sort of already like uh, even even with that, like being you know Rapture putting his best foot forward, there's still hints of that everything's going to go to shit if you follow what this man is saying. Yeah, because the city's already like, you know, you, yeah. you don't come to the city and then it goes to hell. Like you you arrive at a city that's already had its like New Year's apocalypse. And so you're sort of putting together the pieces of like, what the fuck happened here before I got here? Like, it's a wonderful example, particularly of like interactive narrative, because this is like the kind of setup that only really works in video games. They're sort of late to the party plot. Where you go to explore a city where everything's got already happened and everything's gone to hell. Dark yeah. Souls is very much the same thing. We're exploring a sure. world where everything's already happened and everything's in, and everything's gone to hell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all the Souls games, um, uh, or all the FromSoft games, sort of do that. And uh, it feels, uh, it, exploring Rapture feels, and I know, I think Ken Levine said that he was inspired by the, you know, quote-unquote level design of Disney theme parks, which... Um, a lot of game designers have actually said that they were inspired yeah, think, by. Um, yeah, I think the Secret of Monkey Island mentioned that as well. Yeah, and this feels like a. Right? Yeah, this feels like a theme park like gone awry. Like whether it's the specific sort of zones, you know, whether you're going to a place that's that's full of trees and garden like, or it's the, definitely got that the theme park. Yeah, it's definitely got that theme park style zones. Like yeah, like you go from one deck, you're in Adventureland, and then you're in Fantasyland. Yeah, and so on, which kind of would make sense. Like that's almost like what this this city was supposed to be. Like this yeah. this was supposed to be an underwater utopia that almost felt yeah. like a, a, that, a lifelong yeah. vacation. That gets absolutely hung on the nose in Bioshock Two when you literally go through a theme park ride, theme park <laughs> exploring yeah. uh, Rapture and its history. Yeah, and in Bioshock Infinite when you see like, oh, here's the Hall of Racism. Let's just go yeah. through here. This seems neat. Um, yeah, if yeah, that's, remember, Bioshock Infinite is like double Disneyland. That's like yeah. a very overt <laughs> Disneyland reference there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember really liking the soundtrack. Um, I think it was a, a really strong soundtrack that complements the moments. Um, I remember like the music as, in the intro mainly because I remember the intro so well. That uh, mm -hmm. that wonderful, you know, that violin that starts up while you're listening to Ryan's monologue. And then, and then, and the, then sort of swells once you actually get the rapture and he says, I gave them rapture. Yeah. You, see, you finally see the city. Yeah. Um, 
I really like the Circus of Values just because I like the weird little animatronic clown saying welcome to the Circus of Values where you buy yeah. all your things. Yeah, and you'll have plenty um, of chances to enjoy the, the, the yeah. voice of the clown. Yeah. And then uh, I, I, I think how it uses uh, things like respawning after death with the with Vita chambers or Vita chambers. I don't, I don't know hmm. how they're pronounced. Um, you know, how those uh, uh, directly speak to the twist in the game and the uh, you know, this I think this famously was the game that Clint Hawking wrote about and coined the term ludonarrative dissonance. So we can blame we could blame him for we can blame this game for for all of that. So that's good. Well, you can't blame Bioshock for academics being academic. <laughs> no, we can't. Um, and I also feel like this game's DNA uh, is is felt through so many games um, that followed. I, I think we see pieces of it in The Last of Us. Um, obviously, in stuff like Prey and and Dishonored, even in uh, Disco Elysium, I think you see see pieces of this game. So um, it's shocking to me that it's been almost ten years and we haven't gone back to a Bioshock game. Um, there's currently one in development from a, a, a new 2K studio named Cloud Chamber in Canada, um, and we haven't seen what Ken Levine's been working on for the better part of the past decade with his Ghost Story games, his his well, new studio. It's well, apparently he's Duke Nukem forevering it up. Apparently yeah, he's what like, keep building? If only he had one of his like visionary ideas and it was one of those ideas that doesn't really work in execution and now he's just sort of like, you know, trying to keep himself going. Yeah, and it just seems like 2K and Take-Two, like the studio is small enough to consider it a write-off in the grand scheme of, you know, having GTA and Red Dead and NBA games that... I don't know, I think I prefer... Money. I think I prefer ending it on Bioshock Infinite to... Assassin's Creed style continuing to turn them out when there's nothing left to be said. Yeah, I mean, so the thing he's working on isn't Bioshock. It's a brand new studio working on Bioshock. Um, so it'll be um, I don't know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if there's anything maybe like if a fresh voice who was younger when Bioshock came out and inspired by Bioshock, maybe they would have something to uh, something to say that's interesting and different because I do feel like there's Bioshock Infinite does a bit of deconstruction of the original Bioshock, which More than I is. think could be explored even further. Like, I think, I don't know, I, I think deconstruction in games is, is super fascinating. That's why I really like the, the Final Fantasy yeah, VII but, remake. Yeah, that's why, I liked, that's, like, really being worked on. that's why I liked the end of Bioshock Infinite. It was literally saying, hey, like, there's always a lighthouse and there's always yeah. a lone hero yeah. coming, coming to one. And that made me like think back to System Shock Two. Like, could you like classify System Shock Two the same way? A lone hero in a lighthouse, maybe if you stretch the term a bit. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you want to, if if this like derelict space station is a is a lighthouse, yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a very similar theme that he had been uh, playing with for quite a long time. A beacon of light in the sea of emptiness, as they said yeah. in the trailer for Babylon Five. Uh, as everyone remembers, the trailer, the the infamous trailer of Babylon Five. So I'm just uh, teasing Toffee in the corner of my webcams for everyone to see. Teasing Toffee. Why don't we just rename the series Teasing Toffee? That sounds, yeah, that sounds like much better. Bioshock Infinite had its detractors, but I think it continued Bioshock's example of actually being about something, which is what I liked. Yeah, uh, feeling and, like, and actually like being in a in a deconstructive critical sense. Rather than just going, hey, here's our gimmick. Yeah, and it, I, I think Infinite, um, 
some can can crumble under too much scrutiny if you really try to like put the Legos together. It, well, it's, it's the like, same, oh, this, same, this doesn't fit. Same is true of Bioshock One, I'd say. Honestly, same is true of most games. If, yeah, if I'm being perfectly yeah. honest, most games I mean, of this of this scope. A lot. Most fictional plots don't really hold up to um, Cinema Sins style asshole nitpicky analysis. No, there's a there's a um, there's a thing called suspension of disbelief. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, uh, losing that in criticism or people wanting to be like, why did the, why is the Hulk not as strong in this movie as he was in other movie? It's uh, I think it's like the death of actual criticism. <laughs> so, um, Bioshock Infinite felt pulpy. It felt like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It felt like something a bit more swashbuckling, a bit more adventury. Uh, in contrast to the sort of bleak horror of Bioshock. And yeah. I appreciate that it was doing something a little different. And I liked the swashbuckling tone. I liked swinging in off the skyhooks and smashing so someone's did I. face in. Yeah, so did I. Uh, I do feel like it tried to to have its cake and eat it too with um, some of like the themes it was trying to handle and either what was uh, sort of scratched at them too superficially and, and was kind of unafraid to actually go all in on it. And uh, especially yeah. you see that with, with sort of how they completely fumbled the, the Vox Populi and, and I mean, uh, yeah, that was, a, story. that was a misstep. The way it uh, explored uh, nationalism perverted into religion is, uh, was very apt in particular, mm -hmm. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you? How did you feel about Bioshock Two? Um, I didn't like it as much as Bioshock One. I know a lot of people did, uh -huh. but something about it made me not like it so much. Maybe it felt like it always feels like in inherently lesser when you're sort of retreading the same setting and the same uh, the, the same themes. I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like the they really honed in on the combat and mechanics. I think well, the, like ha the, well, the hacking mini game was much better. The hacking mini game was better. Uh, but they I didn't thought, overthink it. I thought the way you uh, juggled between plasmids and and weapons and environmental hazards worked better in that game. I, I just thought I combat as a whole was more interesting. I remember now. I like equipped the plasmid that turns in one of the enemies hostile. And I don't think I needed to fire another shot for the rest of the game. Because you made friends. Just, just uh, find, the nearest, find the nearest big daddy and, uh, you know, take a smoke break. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of big daddy, we haven't mentioned big daddies and little sisters yet, which um, oh, yes. are two of the iconic elements of, of Bioshock. Um, yeah, when I was writing my like extra punctuation about Prey, I think the conclusion I reached was that that game didn't have the same impact because it didn't have anything... Uh, equivalently iconic as the Big Daddies, or yeah, basically everything a, else in Bioshock. Yeah, it's almost tough when the, the thing in Prey is a mimic, and so yeah. it's not a Big Daddy. This mug is a Big Daddy. This well, the baddies, the baddies daddy. in Prey were big smears of black goo. Yeah, um, which <laughs> doesn't not quite as iconic as a lumbering, uh, no, uh, no. Uh, you know, diving suit. Yeah, that's, uh, the, yeah, the design. The, the first time you encounter them, incredible. Yeah. Like. Yeah, um, the design absolutely. is masterful visually yeah the sound design yeah yeah they have those the sort of that orca whale sound and then you can hear their footsteps if they're on a the floor above you uh, the game has really good sound design in terms of uh 
not only creating a cool, creepy atmosphere, but also cluing you into what is nearby and where they might be. Yeah, you um, certainly like know when end. one of those fucking vending machines is nearby, don't you? <laughs> Welcome to the Circus of Values. Uh, I like that the enemies, that the, the, the splicers, like, talk to themselves. Like, they, they there's, like, an air of, like, hum, like, a shred of humanity left in them. Yeah. Um, it's possible they overdo it a bit. I mean, they have these, like... It, almost like entire monologues that they constantly repeat to themselves yeah um don't we all though what, what, are, what are our careers if not monologues just repeating ourselves i um, suppose yeah uh yeah but really cool it and it does it definitely does that thing where the game the horror elements of the game are front-loaded and once you understand the 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 systems and you have more tools at your disposal it gets less scary and those encounters become more paint by numbers um yeah. Which I th which I think is fine. I don't know if I mean I guess you can also play the game on like crazy hard and maybe really have no ammo and the game becomes uh, much more sort of a survival kind of game. Um, you know, it's funny. I just like the 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 Five Nights at Freddy's franchise just popped into my head as we were talking about it, and it feels like there's certain influence from Bioshock there as well. The way it yeah. takes like something that's you know the, the the nice, colorful, lovely setting that was once glorious and friendly and uh, mm -hmm. twisted it in such horrible ways yeah uh i mean i'm sure there have to have been games before this that did that right uh, i'm having like a hard time thinking of that of like well i th i think of sanitarium yeah sanitarium yeah I mean, I guess is that what like Resident Evil is supposed to be like? Well, that mansion is just inherently creepy, though. Like I, yeah, that living yeah. in that mansion when there weren't zombies, I would have been like, I'm not a fan of this. I don't, I don't want to be here. Uh, I don't know. Scavenger says Duke Nukem, uh, and uh, yeah, that is like one of the first shooters to introduce real life settings mm -hmm. in uh, the shooter setting. Yeah, I guess that is true. And there was so, always, I, I, there was I always was a sort of. There's all sort of weird tone to Duke Nukem 3D in that you'd have these like wacky environments and Duke Nukem being his wacky self and then there'd be women like captured by aliens and uh, trussed up and begging you to kill them. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't, and I guess I can see sort of that in the DNA of Bioshock, although in Duke Nukem 3D's case it was just, uh, it wasn't intentional, it was just tonal mismatch because uh pc gaming was weird back in the day sure um in terms of when we were talking about the uh sort of the the monolithic games of 2007 mm. where do you think this sits on that pile of stuff like uh modern warfare and uh portal and halo 3 and mass effect and uh mario galaxy and rock band and what else uncharted was that year assassin's creed was that year a really formative year for yeah, yeah, yeah. what would come for the following like decade. Pretty like really impressive list there. Um, do you think it, it sits at the top there? Do you put like Portal above it? Do you put Mario Galaxy above it? Well, hmm. You know, it, it's I'm trying to think of it's like it, its legacy in the way Portal had its legacy and Modern Warfare had its legacy, and yeah. Bioshock very much just sort of feels like an entity to itself. I mean, there are uh, there were more Bioshock games. There are games that uh, that uh, took uh, cues from it, mm -hmm. but there's so little else that has such a 
well-defined sense of self and such wonderful writing to it. Disco Elysium, yeah, as you say, yeah. might have an equivalent uh, it's, comparison. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shocked we didn't, we haven't gotten more games that sort of just whole hog try to. Well, the thing Bioshock is, was doing. thing is, to pull off the same effect, you have to be really clever. You have to be really yeah. clever and put a lot of work in. And yeah. uh, people don't usually rip off something that's a really, really hard work to rip off. Yeah, yeah, people want more low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe part of the reason its legacy is so... Um, uh, interesting to look back on is because we haven't had been ground to death in the franchise like we were with Assassin's Creed. Mm. Um, you know, it felt like at the time Assassin's Creed, especially like one and, and two, uh, were as big as Bioshock. But then in time, we sort of, it's like death by a thousand cuts of getting uh, now we go to France. Yeah, and now, it's had, that, it's had its whole vibe, it's had its whole vibe softened. And all its uh, it's it's just all its themes are just reduced to like total universalities. So yeah. The whole, uh, Assassins versus Templar thing is now just the good guys versus the bad guys. Then that can be transplanted into literally any setting. Totally. So we just have the three games and their you know DLCs. Uh, there have been failed attempts at, at turning it into a movie. Like in at, like 2008, Gore Verbinski, the the director of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, was supposed to direct it based on a yep. really great John Logan script that was going to be like a genuine horror movie. But so that uh, yeah, see the reason why it wouldn't it works so well as a video game is because uh, the 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 whole premise of exploring this uh, ruined city after the fact is something that benefits oh. from an exploration best based discovery based experience which uh, a video game provides by letting the player choose what they want to look at and how long they want to look at it and i don't think a film will ever be able to do the same thing i don't know i i i disagree i feel like this rapture is a world that could very easily not only not very easily but i can imagine it being not only captured on film but captured well i could also imagine it being completely fucked up um but um, I would have been curious to see what that was. That fell through. Uh, supposedly, the reason is because it was the same studio that was that did the Watchmen movie, and the Watchmen was such sort of a, a massive financial and critical failure that they were like, "All right, we don't want to pay the money for this thing because what if it is also a failure?" Um, well, let's face it, really, it, probably would have been. It probably would have been. But Gorbinski makes really good movies, and John Logan's a really good screenwriter, and it was it was a real spooky script. Um, but Netflix earlier this year announced uh, that Netflix is doing a movie, which I imagine is going to be bad. So, but Bioshock was a very specific vision, and it wasn't Gorbinski's vision, and it wasn't anyone else's vision. It was Ken Levine's vision. And yeah, any, but... any adaptation is isn't going to have the same feel. Um. I mean, I, I agree, but couldn't you say that about like uh, the the Shining was Stephen King's vision, and then the 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 movie was Stanley Kubrick's vision, and it worked out really well? Okay, fine. Maybe someone else could um, have provided a different vision. In Stanley which case... Kubrick, bring bring that dude back from the dead. Get Stan up in here. Let him go to Rapture. Yeah, yeah. A very prolonged zoom in of Frank Fontaine looking at the camera with a weird smile. That sounds great. Oh my God, Frank uh, Jack Nicholson is Frank Fontaine. Oh, sounds great. He's a bit old now, isn't he? He's very old. I he think must he's, be very he's old like, at this he, point. He's. I think he's like. He's like almost ninety. 
Yeah, he was like they, they sometimes like drag him around to, to Lakers games to sit courtside, and he doesn't seem like he wants to be there. He was like middle aged when he played the Joker. Yeah, and that was uh, like forty years ago. Yeah, Jesus, that's, that's a terrifying thought. <laughs> Shall we go to super chats? Uh, that sounds wonderful. Chat, get your get your comments in about about Bioshock, about uh, the series as a whole, about anything, anything you want to hear. We'll chat yeah. about right now. I think we had a few before we started. So. We did. I've been saving them. So I had a few. Uh, I believe the first one was from uh, Eric Cartman, round, uh, a renowned resident of South Park. Yeah. Give me a moment. Just uh, bringing up the page. Monetization. Super chats. La, 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 la. Yes. Eric Cartman gives $10 okay. and says, is it fair to call Bioshock a horror game? Well, yes, but continue. Yeah. I found its focus on the evils of the human condition much more unnerving than playing hide-and-seek with some weeb in a trench coat. Cough, RE2. Cough. <laughs> weeb in a trench coat. Well, it's Mr. X a weeb? I referred to him as a weeb in my review of Resident Evil 2 because he was, wearing a, he was wearing a trench coat and a fedora, and I thought it fit rather well. Oh, my God. I characterized can't. him as wanting to chase you around so he can argue with you about anime and stuff. Oh, my God. I can't not see him as a weeb anymore. Oh, this is terrifying. You've ruined that game for me. But, yeah, obviously Bioshock's a horror game, but they have a different flavors of horror. RE2 is a lot more overt horror. Bioshock's mm -hmm. more about the horror of the human condition and the horror of the failed utopia, I suppose. Yeah, philosophical horror. Yeah, I also think horror doesn't um, like uh, horror doesn't need to be the primary genre of something. Horror can be the seasoning of something. Well, um, quite. Bioshock is yeah. very horrific. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's horror throughout it, but I wouldn't say like to me it's 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 main thing is going it's going for isn't horror, but um, the horror that is present I enjoy quite a bit. It's horror, and also it's uh, exploration of. Uh a city it's about uh it's a philosophical game i'd say it's a game about how how free will will always ensure that utopia is impossible free will at least that's that's the that's the message i get from it yeah i think that's uh i think that's pretty spot on i was like like i was uh I went to like a talk from like a game writer many, many years ago, and he made mm -hmm. the point that so few games have an identifiable theme. Like, what is what is the theme of, say, Gears of War? Uh, uh, don't trust those things coming from the ground. Yeah, shoot the shoot the monsters. There's monsters. Yeah. Shoot them. Oh no. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, when you when you think about what games actually have like a philosophical theme, there's mm -hmm. a surprisingly small number. Yeah, and I feel like we see most of them in uh, kind of indie, more condensed space. I feel like the longer your game is, the harder it is to grasp onto an actual theme. Mm. Like if you make a 40-hour game, like how do you have a theme that runs through all of that, especially if you're swapping up gameplay formulas and everything? Um, I guess uh, Bioshock pitched a, picked a particularly rich theme that could be explored from a number of angles as we went along. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Luke Jimenez... Or is it Himaneth? Something like that. It gives two Australian dollars and leaves no message, but then gets his act together with his next super chat, 
which gives us five Australian dollars, and says, if you are considering retro games, may I recommend Illusion of Time on the Snares? You're certainly free to recommend things. I am also free to absolutely ignore you. No, no. Uh, Illusion of Time is a great game. It's, uh, I believe Illusion of Time was its Australian name, and in the US it's known as Illusion of Gaia. Oh, um, I hadn't heard Quint of Illusion of Time. I had heard yeah. of Illusion of Gaia. It's by uh, Quintet, the folks who made uh, Act Razor. It's a pretty good, uh, kind of a pretty good Zelda-like with uh, a neat uh, dual character format. I'm a, I'm right a big there. fan of uh, Illusion of Gaia. Uh, BS Marsh gives us $2 and says, 2007 gave us great games and ZP, an epic year. Well, <laughs> what certainly, a year. Was, certainly was for me. Do you remember what your very first ZP was? Uh, well, the first one I put on YouTube was for after I played the demo of The Darkness. Okay. Uh, then I did one for Fable, I think. Original and, that, and then I got my contract. So the first official one I did, where it was officially called Zero Punctuation, was uh, taking a look at the Heavenly Sword demo and the Resident Evil 5 demo, I believe. You want a lot of demos. Yeah, early on I was just, it wasn't so much reviews of single games as it was, you know, general discussions of things that had just been announced. Yeah, but I guess pretty, that was also an era where every game had to have a demo on 360. Yeah, and then, but pretty quickly it became a review series of individual games. As they came out. Mm -hmm. um, amazingly Average Ray, who's been a member for two months, boy that is pretty mediocre, in early access, and says, thanks Yards for shaping my views on games for ten years. Look at that. I presume, you started, I presume you started watching ten years ago, because I've been doing it for slightly longer than that. Those those uh, those first five years of opinions were real shit. But the last ten years, yeah. you really picked it up. Well, we all get better with practice. There you go. Rasmuseum, Rasmuseum, who's been a member for five months in early access, says thanks to the great show every week, gents. You're welcome, Rasmussen. Thanks for the, your patronage. Thank you, Rasmussen. Uh, Smumbo gives five dollars. Says, hey Marty, have you seen Donkey's supercut of you saying yeah from his game critics video? I have not. It sounds wonderful. I know. I think Donkey does not like me. Uh, Donkey was very mad when I said that everyone who likes Sonic just wants to have sex with Big the Cat. And now that I've watched, or now that I've played Sonic Adventure, I also want to have sex with Big the Cat. So well, it's, it's incorrect for a start. Everyone yeah. who likes Sonic the Hedgehog wants to have sex with Princess Sally Acorn, I thought. <laughs> I don't know. See, there's, a lot, there's all sorts of characters we can want to have sex with. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Rouge the Bat, the one with tits. Oh, I haven't met her yet. She's in Sonic Adventure 2. I'm very excited. Yeah. Are what, you the one who just calls her the one with tits? Because people keep referring to saying Marty's going to be excited about the, the bat with tits. Yeah, this, I, yeah, I generally fault? refer to her as the bat with tits because that's the okay. that's pretty much the sum total of her characterization. <laughs> that's how she stands out amid Sonic's many and varied friends. Anyway, why is <laughs> Dunky dunking on us? He gets way more views than us. One asshole. No, Donkey, Donkey was, uh, that was back when I was at IGN. Donkey was mad at me. What a downward punching prick. Classic Donkey. Uh, Van, member for nine months in early access with uh, using their member chat to say, try Bioshock, didn't love it. Should I try Infinite? Well, you might find similar gameplay if it was the gameplay you bounced off. The general feel and story's different. Less yeah, the sense I'm of uh, isolation. And more about 
being chased by crazy racists the whole time. Uh, this is true. And also, maybe maybe you're the crazy racist. Who knows? Hmm. Um, That's the twist. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, yeah, and also, I don't know. If you don't like... Uh, I don't know. If you don't like it, it's fine to just not like it. It's fine yeah, for something yeah. to not be your cup of tea. You're entitled you like. to not like things that most other people like. Although exactly. it will mean being shunned. Yeah, you'll be ostracized and like made fun of by, by folks like us. But aside from that, you're fine. But, you know, they shunned Galileo. They shunned Jim Jones. They well, weren't laughing after we murdered all those babies. We ought to say that was probably a deserved shunning. Joe Ansel gives five pounds and says, playing Just Cause 3 in the background today, waiting for my own Top Gun moment from Just Cause 2 Drown Out up to the Fringe Fest tomorrow fave comics, chaps. Man, that was all over the place. Oh my god. Yeah, I was really confused. Yes, well, when I, when I did a video of Just Cause 2 for my Drown Out series, we had this crazy, spontaneous, amazing moment where I uh, managed to dodge a missile at the last second by, like, slightly pitching my plane. And mm. it absolutely wasn't intentional, but it made me look really, really good. It was like was that, that cool, you know that cool bit in the anime where the, like, the dude dodges a bullet just by moving his head slightly and the bullet just oh, whizzes yeah. the gun? It was like that, but with rockets and where I'm in a plane. Look at that. Look at that. That's a uh, little sandbox gameplay right there. Who knew? Who knew it could happen? And what are your favorite comics? Well, you said how much you enjoy Sandman. Is there, was there anything else that was sort of formative for you? Uh, I read Preacher when I was a teenager, but when I was an adult, I realized it was kind of juvenile. Uh, I liked the I, 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 did the thing. I liked the John Constantine Hellblazer comics, but uh, that was one of those comic series that just never ended and just went on and on and on. And uh, I've never really liked that aspect of uh, comic publishing. I feel yeah. like endings are important parts of storytelling. Uh, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, it, and it's funny. It seems, but it seems like uh, comics uh, for for such a long time lacked endings or mm. endings with any sizable uh, sort of um stakes i like love, the, the yeah, felt, sorry after you uh, oh no i was just gonna say in terms of recent runs I, i'm a big fan of brian hickman's um uh house of x power of x yep uh I, current uh, like runs i've got really into watchmen first time i read it obviously uh -huh. it's the it's the daddy it is the daddy it's the big uh, daddy yeah like a lot of other alan alan moore's other stuff v for vendetta mm -hmm. league of extraordinary gentlemen at least before league of extraordinary gentlemen started getting weird and sexy hey you remember the uh uh movie sean connery's last movie oh god that was bad it was really it was really bad it was like and it wasn't bad it wasn't even adapting the comic book very well I don't know what it, it was. It basically like. just basically just took the idea of like having a crossover of a bunch of Victorian pulp literature characters and ignored absolutely everything else that the comic book did. Pretty bad. Like Alan Quatermain was not the like the leader in the comics. Like, <laughs> Mina Murray was the leader. She was a really good character. She was reduced to like vampire totty in the film. Uh, supposedly, the reason uh, Sean Connery took that was because he passed on the role of either Gandalf or Saruman in Lord of the Rings <laughs> and was like, you know what? I'm not going to pass on the next billion dollar franchise. This is yeah. it. Yeah. Womp womp. <clears throat> How to Life gives $5 and says, while not revolutionary, two presented a foil to one's total objectivist fanatical selflessness to critique. For that, I'd say it's the better sequel. Okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think 
being a foil. Oh, do you so mean they, a better sequel as in like better than Infinite? Is that what they mean by better sequel? Like uh, two is a better sequel than Infinite was? A lot of people seem to like two more than one from what I've heard. I feel like yeah, two just kind of had just, like a renaissance. Two just felt like it was adding a whole bunch of extra ingredients to an already lovely stew that was the plot of Bioshock One. Yeah, and it was definitely one of those like it. it they turned it around, I think, in two years, like two thousand nine. I want to say Bioshock Two was, and so yeah, it was they hacked those, it like, out. We doing this again right away? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, I believe you missed uh, uh, one by Cornish Cream Tea. So I did. Cornish Cream Tea gives five pounds. Says whatever happened to Jack? I miss Jack. Jack's busy. Jack's got shit to but do. Also Jack, but also Jack streams. Jack, every Monday at 3 p.m., yeah, so an yeah, hour, two, two hours and 15 minutes from now, he streams Elden Ring runs. And then wasn't he on post-CP with you last week? Yeah, he was. Go watch last week's post-CP. We were playing He's Cult still, of the Lamb. Yeah. Still here. He just doesn't want to talk to you, Cornish. He wants to talk to everyone <laughs> else, just not you. No, he loves you, Cornish. He told me. Last time I talked to Jack, he's like, man, you know who I love? Cornish cream tea. <clears throat> Uh, that guy you know gives five dollars. Says I think immersive sims work best when the systems behind the scenes are complex and not when you have to space brain and min max your character build. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, that requires like a, a really good sleight of hand technique. Um, otherwise, it becomes too gamey. Yeah, like System Shock Two was it. very space brain. I yeah. guess the behind the scenes systems being more complex would be something like Deus Ex. That was trying to juggle like stealth and combat and yeah, uh, alternative paths and all the other stuff that Master Sims do. Yeah, it's always a tough thing about that. That which I think even like Warren Spector has said himself was like, uh, if you look at one single element of Deus Ex under a microscope, it's not going to hold up to the best shooters or best stealth games or best. Mm, I've heard that of... quote because I told you it. Did you? Yes, last week I think. No, <laughs> God, was it a week? In my mind, I was going back like years. It was one of these. That's horrible. I just, I had a, I, we had our weekly editors meeting every Monday morning, and there was something else that, like, someone was trying to be like, remember that last October? And I was like, I do not remember last October. I delete everything. I think every week, come Sunday, I delete everything in my memory from the previous week and just start fresh. Mm, so I've been there. That's not great. Not great. I usually use booze to do that. <laughs> Uh, Rasmuseum gives a thousand yen to say the story of Bioshock Infinite has become uncomfortably relevant with the current US political climate in recent years. Well, the point of Bioshock Infinite was that uh, there w there's always been an undercurrent. Mm -hmm. And uh, if, you, if you appeal to people by appealing to their worst instincts, then that's what happens. And, and yeah, I would say that like... <laughs> Parts of America can feel like a modern-day Columbia. I mean, I, I've listened to, like, the Dollop American History podcast, and they've had mm -hmm. done a lot of stories from, like, olden times, and a lot of them make you realise, yeah, it was ever thus. It's just not always been so, you know, upfront and obvious in this age yeah. of mass media. Yeah, but it's existed in the American experiment ever since the beginning. Yeah. Do, 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 do. The Shashank 7170, welcome to Early Access. You took your time. Welcome You've been back. a commenter for a long time, <laughs> Shashank7170. Uh, John Connor gave us five Canadian dollars. Says, do you think the Bioshock series would benefit from a remake or remaster, or if mods solve any problems graphically that could be updated? No. No. 
Um, I'm, I'm, well, remastering in the sense of making sure it can always be run on current PCs. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I've always held that works should be products of the eras in which they came out. Um, yes, you've, you've, you've made that abundantly clear. You're very excited for Resident Evil 4 still, though. Um, uh, so we got the modern, collect, like the Bioshock collection five years ago, I believe for the 10th anniversary, we got the, you know, on, on PS4 and Xbox One and even on Switch. And then I think on uh, PC and stuff where they bundled them together and they, they look a little prettier. And then there were rumors of, uh, so there was this big uh, leak, like a N N NVIDIA GeForce leak. I don't know what the fuck it was. But someone scraped data, and there was like hundreds of unannounced games, and one by one, they've all been announced. And mm. so, like, this is almost like the like Dead Sea Scrolls of like we are predicting our future by looking at this. Um, and one of the things on there is a Bioshock RTX RXT. I don't know what those what those letters mean, Bioshock but some sort of a fancy RXT. with ray tracing. Um, and so uh, I believe people think that maybe even for this 15th anniversary, they're going to announce like a PC update that adds ray tracing or something fancy to it. Well, the anniversary was yesterday, according to you, and they haven't announced really it. Up. But Gamescom is this week, and Ooh. Jeff Keighley has his fancy show tomorrow, and uh... where better to announce something than the fancies with Jeff Keighley? Nick was talking about us going to Gamescom at some point. I guess uh, that fell apart <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, it starts Wednesday, so I'm going to assume you guys aren't going. Well, I bloody well hope not. <laughs> uh, GT, member for two months on Early Access, says, Thank you for alleviating the pain every week. You're welcome, GT. Yours, though, sounds like you might have larger problems than we can fix. This is true. Oh, blimey. There's a whole bunch more. There are. Da, 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 da. I think we're at 233, Jason. Yep, I found him. 233, Jason, member for three months on bonus content. Says Bioshock 1 is a really good first half of a game. The second half goes on for way too long, making it not as good as the others. Fully agreed, 233, Jason. Yeah. Should have just, just ended a, on the twist, as we've said. Make it a nice six-hour game. Just, just be done with it. Get out of my life. I think it'd be wonderful. Uh, Cadmon Alima gives five dollars. Says you get you get funding for a jam movie or video game. Do I? It's the first I've heard Congrats. of it. Cadmon Alima. When can I expect the check? Congrats. Uh, I've always thought it might it would make a good city sandbox game, sort of based around the notion that you can't touch the floor because you'll die. Ooh. Okay, I like that. Jam being my second novel about a city being covered in man-eating jam. Okay. It'd be all like, like traversal and parkour and stuff, and you'd get a grappling hook, and it'd be great. Oh, you had me at grappling hook. Sounds great. Uh, Alex English, member for three months on early access, says favorite Bioshock plasmid. Probably the one that turns enemies hostile to other cool enemies. One. That always worked That's for me. I like freezing enemies and then uh, shattering them with your wrench. Although mm. they don't drop goodies if you do that, which that sucks. Ooh. Um, I also, it's not a plasma, I guess it's a salt. That's what they called them in Infinite, but I like the murder of crows. I like sending crows at people. I'm a simple man. Let me send crows. Yeah, I guess most of them just come down to shoot a thing at the dudes to hurt them and fuck them up. Yeah, to either hurt them or distract them. Yeah. And then you can hurt them with your guns. I mean, when you have like the options, surely you'd always just go to the thing that just hurts them. I mean, if you have to add the extra step, distract them and then shoot them, shouldn't, yeah. wouldn't you just want to shoot them? 
You know, Games Combat feels like uh, an evolution of Bioshocks is controls. Hmm. All the hmm. powers you have to control, whether it's telekinesis or even the the you know turn an enemy against the others, those kinds of things. Uh, combat encounters and control to me trigger scratch the same sort of like a uh, cranial itch that Bioshocks do. I feel like there's a lot of games that try to innovate with guns by adding like an extra step to shooting them, which I always think is about is a, like a misstep. Like I remember there was a gun in Rage Two where you sh where you shoot the enemy full of bullets and then you have to press another button to make the bullets explode. I was like, it feels more efficient to just shoot them with bullets that kills them in the first place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I do think active reload is a is a neat um it often a, a slightly complicated addition yeah. that I like. It often, it often happens when you're at a game with like a dog partner and you have the option of like being able to point at enemy and saying, uh, go and kill that enemy dog, and the dog goes off and kills them. If you're already pointing at them, wouldn't it be quicker just to shoot them? That is true, yeah. I liked having quiet in uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, perch atop a base and just be like, "All right, you know what? Just go willy nilly. Just shoot whoever the fuck you want." Quiet. You yeah. do you. It's your special day. And then she did it. That was great. Shashank seven one seventy, who's been a member for three months in early access. Although I read a message earlier saying, "Welcome to early access." Maybe he's <laughs> only just upgraded to early access. <laughs> or like a weird, for some reason, instead of saying "continued the membership," it just said added the membership who the fuck knows but they whatever they say be it bioshock 2's dlc minerva's den is the best bioshock there okay uh, uh i haven't played honestly i haven't played it, honestly, I haven't oh, played it. oh i think you'd really like it oh okay probably still won't play it i don't think you should play it. you still have you have to play illusion of time the australian name of <sighs> illusion of gaia i've been meaning to replay saints row 4 actually after having played the saints row reboot you really like Saints Row 4. Because I've been thinking about it a lot and thinking, you know what? That was just plain fun and I want something to kill time mm -hmm. in the evenings with. What about Danganronpa? I heard a lot of people want you to play Danganronpa. Well, piss off with that. <laughs> Kurt Horsting gives $5. Says, any favourite combos in Bioshock? Mine was putting sticky mines on explosives and throwing it with telekinesis to one-shot Big Daddies. Oh my god, you could one-shot a Big Daddy? Uh, nothing's brings to mind although that was one of the first games i remember in the like the early previews of bioshock they made a big thing about the environmental stuff you could do like if someone yeah. was standing in water you could shoot electricity at them and it would electrify mm -hmm. all the people standing around them as well including yourself if you were in the water yeah that was really good yeah it has a neat um kind of a light chemistry element that like in mm -hmm. the same way stuff like breath of the wild does where like you kind of you learn different elements in the environment and how they speak to one another uh, Owl Tree Media gives five dollars. Says, "Yeah, it's quick off-topic question. You once said on your visit to Valve, you were asked to pitch a level. Can you describe your level pitch?" Yes, yes. This was part of like this whole interview process where they were like interviewing me to see if I would be a good fit to work at Valve. Mm -hmm. And one of the interviews, it was like a week-long process, and a lot of it was very nerve-wracking. And one of the interviews was they they took me into a room and gave me a whiteboard and a and a pen, and a couple of level designers sat down and said, "Okay." Uh, a level for Half-Life 3, it's set on a ship, go. And that had no warning for this, so I just had to, like, improvise it. And I, I pulled a load of shit out of my ass, talking about how we could do, like, a horror section where the ship's, like, depowered and there's no natural light. So there's, like, this alien race that's taken over the place that's, like, sensitive to light, so you have to use light as a mechanic to fight them off. 
And there's an NPC who's like been living there for a while, kind of like Grigori from Raven Home, but who's just like covered in fluorescent lights in order to survive. Mm. Um, and I was just like sort of pulled it out of my ass for a while, but apparently they were very impressed. And I did a very, apparently I did a jolly good job at the surprise level design pitch section of the interview. Do you feel like that would be a, a more effective test if they gave you, if they told you they were going to ask you that the day before? Um, I guess there's like, I, I understand you like trying, thinking on your feet kind of thing, but that's not how a problem like that would be solved in game design, right? I guess they're still trying to assess, you know, how how quickly ideas can foam unbidden from the sea of your mind. Yeah. I guess it's like a sort of a high pressure environment in Valve. They you like sure. you have to like when you have to when you want to argue something for the game, you have to sit down with a bunch of other dudes and you all have to pitch ideas and explain why you think it would be a good idea and everyone's trying to be heard over everyone else. Do you think it's still like that because they don't release very many games? I've no idea. This was back in like oh like this was like this was in like two thousand eight. This was yeah. way back. Uh, Ricky gave us ten Canadian dollars. Says Yats, as an author, how do you determine the best medium to adapt your storytelling? Film, game, or book? How do you determine the best method to express your craft? I don't know. I guess it just depends on what sort of things you want to work with. I've always like. I like horror as a theme, but I've only ever made horror games, and I don't feel confident about writing horror books. Interesting. Because I feel like horror is the is uh, best explored in video games. It's such a natural uh, fit for horror. Because, you know, you're the main character by default. You're automatically invested in staying alive. Yeah, and every time you, you watch a... Uh, uh a movie or, or read a horror book and you're like no don't open that door and in a game you have yeah. to open that door like you you have to so you in have a game, to make you, that in a game you can have the option of not opening that door yeah yeah i never i think it was layers of fear in my review i mentioned i was like walking down a corridor and i heard a noise behind me and then like a message appeared on the wall in front of me saying don't look back so yeah. i thought okay i won't and walked to the next door and i could almost sense the game's disappointment that i didn't turn around and see what was behind me yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Khalil, really cool. Please turn around. Khalil Henoud gives five Canadian dollars and has no message. Water spacker. Scavenger gives ten dollars and says, "I know trailerizing songs, slowing pop songs, so they're familiar but unsettling. Started with Gears of War, but I think Bioshock did old music first. I thought Fallout Three was copying in its trailer. I don't know about that." Um, I seem to remember like Fallout before Bioshock was doing like a repurposing old music. Yeah, was it, wasn't that something that Bioshock or uh, Fallout 1 and 2 did? I seem to remember that. Yeah. In like uh, like um, menus and stuff, if not trailers, because yeah. trailers are a relatively new concept. Yeah. That, yeah, that being said, like the the Bioshock Gears of War two sort of mad world, the the whole let's go, let's take a pop song and slow it down and make it spooky. Um, that's become something that's just in yeah. That's used ad ad nauseum now. That's that's used in uh, that's like literally the soundtrack for Westworld the show. And so yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, Josh McKenzie, welcome to Early Access or welcome back to Early Access. I don't know how it works anymore. <laughs> 
Ricky gives five Canadian dollars, says, As a movie, I don't know if Bioshock's twist would have the same impact since it flips the norm of players' power fantasy of always being in control. Well, quite. I don't know if we want to spoil the twist. No. But uh, it's uh, very effective in that it also deconstructs video game mechanics, sort of in the way Bioshock Infinite was also doing to an extent. Yeah. And I think it's one of those twists that has, uh, uh, like, like uh, Aerith dying or anything like that, that's uh, uh, bigger than the game itself. I think people know about the twist, even though yeah. they might not have played it. Like, it's kind of exists in, in pop culture trivia now. Well, if they are going to remake it for RTX or whatever, maybe we shouldn't mm -hmm. spoil it. No. A whole new audience could enjoy it. Uh, Michael Broadman gives $2 and says, Tip for Babylon 5 reference. FYI, a remake is coming. Okay, reference as many obscure science fiction properties as you can, and then all the tips will come in. We've discovered the secret. <laughs> uh, uh, who likes Lex? I liked what Lex. Is, what is Lex? I don't even know what Lex is. You who, likes, these up. These are... who likes Red Dwarf? I like Red Dwarf. Who liked, um, um... I watched Macross. Macross and Robotech. Get your weeb shit out of here. What about my Gundams? <laughs> the Gundams! Uh, who likes uh, John Carpenter's Dark Star? I like John Carpenter's Dark Star. I love That's actually what I know. I love that film. It's very great. depressing. It's incredibly depressing. In a fun way. Uh, Scavenger gives ten dollars and says i think bioshock was unique because of politics at the time ryan's speeches were shaped by bush's god told me speech make it now it'd be a right-wing cult saying fake news and sleepy atlas i did i didn't think ryan atlas. was religious was he i mean wasn't it like a whole plot point in that game that he'd banned bibles because yeah. he was an objectivist yeah um but i mean he, he was he was kind of speaking that he made this from a higher power I don't know if he was talking about God, but he was sort of talking about how it's... No, his, no, he his, was like, his, uh, he was enshrining the self. That's what objectivism does. He was saying, this was my vision. I created my vision. It was my great becoming, idea. Becoming the God? He said, no God, yeah. only men. No yeah. gods are kings, only men, in front yeah. of a giant golden statue of himself. Yeah, I'm not a God, but do everything I say. Yep, But I'm assholes. A, here's a God King statue of myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, the actual Ayn Rand had a similar downfall that came from in trying to enshrine her own values. Yeah. Uh, Savigny Lol gives a hundred Norwegian kroner and says, philosophy is underused, ideas about knowledge, right or wrong, reasoning, the value of things, all universal questions humans can relate to. No answers, but a great framing device for games. Spec Ops The Line was also about a thing, I've just realised. Yeah, Spec Ops was about a thing. The, the the Stanley Parable is about a thing. Yeah, it's all about Stanley Parable, as I've or as I sometimes referred to it as, uh, gaming's answer to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Oh my god! I mean, that just, is kind of that. Yeah, yeah, just to raise the brows a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Ricky comes back uh, to give ten Canadian dollars and says, "Yatsi, you are an author, game developer, reviewer, streamer, gamer, podcaster, and now a father." How do you manage your time to focus and improve on your many interests in life? <laughs> it's cute that you think I can manage it. I'm going slowly mad. Send help. He doesn't watch anime. That's that's for sure. Get that weeb shit out of here. Yeah, Start I've... cut things off the legs. I basically have no time to watch TV these days. You don't even seem like you have a time to play games for enjoyment. It's just you got to play the games for the work. And that's well, it. yeah. 
I've been trying to, like, as I said, my evenings have been a little bit freer lately. So I've been trying to think of a game I want to play on, like, the living room console. But I just, I look through everything and I just can't think of something I really want to play. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of just want to veg out. We tried to we tried to give you an avenue to play games. We got to play Duke Nukem. You were so happy, and then everyone was angry. And now no, we're no, fucking yeah. back here. Look what no, happened. Nobody liked that, did they? No one liked it. No one liked it. John Stamos gives five dollars. Says Marty, been meaning for a while to say I am so glad you're a part of the Escapist team. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Yahtzee. Thoughts? Uh, I disagree. No, I hate Marty, and I hope he goes away forever. What a scumbag. Yeah. Take it away you, from my wonderful shining light. You need to team up with Donkey and then do a, just a six super super mash of, of all my guffaws. And then I, love these, I love these occasional uh, questions that come in. They're basically like, talk shit about your employer and the people you work with every day. Very, very for, strange. For our yeah. amusement. Very strange. But thank you, John Stamos. That was, was very nice. Also, your work on Full House was wonderful. SVS Guru 2000 gives five euros. Says, if either of you were told to write an autobiography, could you do it? Or are you like me, who remembers almost nothing from their childhood? Yeah, I don't remember much from my childhood either, since you mentioned it. Yeah, I remember things through, like, my fa my family talks about, um, you know, like, we, we have a lot of pictures, and we talk about old vacations and stuff a lot, but I feel like my memories are more of the stories than of the actual events. Yeah, my parents didn't that, talk much at all. I just don't think... I don't know. I don't think my life would be a very interesting autobiography. No, me personally. neither. Yeah. I left England when I was 20, moved to Australia, got viral popular, and basically kept doing that. There was a time you almost met Felicia Day. I remember that. Oh, you yeah. You told me that a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and I remember that. Came within a gnats of meeting Felicia Day. <laughs> Actually have met Will I Am and uh, Gabe Newell yeah. and. Uh, some other famous game developers. Look I was in the that. same room as Stephen Colbert once. That's exciting. Got along John with uh, got, yeah, interviewed John Romero in Suda Five One. Got along surprisingly well with Brian O'Halloran off of the Clerks movies. Look at that. <clears throat> Cray Sidder gave us five dollars. Says I was surprised to hear that you'd played Sticks Master of Shadows. Does it scratch that thief itch you talk about? And have you played the sequel? I, I played Sticks for a bit. I don't know much about it. I didn't play it for very long. I think I had other things occupying my time. Maybe I should give it some more time. But it's so hard to find something that gives me that uh, thief feeling. I tell yeah. you, the game that almost did it was Filcher. The game I was talking about in Extra Punctuation a while back. And that just feels Filcher? like it was very deliberately trying as hard as it can to recreate the atmosphere of Thief. Why is it called Filcher? Filcher. Yeah. Indie game that nobody played. I don't like that name. I don't like the name Filcher. Well, it's one letter away from Felcher, isn't it? That's which, why it's too it's too close. Which is a very dirty, dirty concept. Yeah. Krogatron, member for 13 months in early access, says, haven't they finished Tracing Ray yet? Oh, you card, Krogatron. Ah, very good. Bombfair, member for 25 months. Holy shit, that's a lot of months in that's bonus content. And says, hi, Yats, just to cause trouble in paradise. What does Jack do as a co-host better than Marty? And what does Marty do better than Jack? <laughs> I just mentioned Four. this, didn't I? Four. Yeah, Stoke Discord. Hooray. I, I have more hair than Jack. Jack is a better father than I am. Marty generally knows more about video games. 
Jack Jack feels like more like an interested outsider at times. It's wonderful. Jack's, Jack knows so much about DMing. Yeah. Man, if I DM'd, it would be fucking terrible. Have That's you tried? I have not. I feel like uh, I would I, I would crack under the pressure and then end up just telling a story. And at some point, someone would be like, oh, this is just uh, this is just from Game of Thrones. And I'd be like, shit, they got me. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. I believe you missed one from Joe Ansel a couple ago for, for two, oh, yes. a two pounder. Oh, yes. Joe Ansel, two pounds. Sorry, clarification, favorite stand-up comics. It's very different than favorite comics. Um, I, was, I was big into comics. Eddie Izzard when I was a kid. Okay, I like Eddie Izzard, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty, got a pretty unique voice. Yeah, in terms of, like, all time, I, I loved uh, George Carlin. I mm. loved uh, Norm MacDonald. In terms of current people, I like John Mulaney. Um, Mitch Hedberg was good. Hedberg was past. great. Yeah. Billy, I like Billy Connolly as well. Billy Connolly, yeah, he was yes. one of the. Wasn't he one of the the Monty Pythons? Is that right? No. Oh, right. Although Fuck he's from that, he's from that. he's from that sort of, you know, era. He's a Scottish comedian who's very good at uh, telling stories. Just generally like a big, larger than life character with lots of interesting stories from his life. Did he? Was he the guy who played? He played uh, nearly headless Nick in the in the Harry Potter movies. Why am I asking? I, this? I don't know. I haven't seen the Nick. Harry Potter movies. <laughs> he played. He played an incidental dwarf in the last Hobbit movie. An incidental dwarf. That's also the. That's like a good name for a book. Also, he was not the person who played nearly headless Nick. I do not know who I'm talking about. Well, who did play nearly headless Nick? Uh, he was. Well, he was. He was a Monty Python guy, I think. Who's a Monty Python guy that's not Terry Gilliam? Uh, John Cleese. It was John Cleese. Get okay. Yeah, it was John Cleese. That was, uh, that was John Cleese. John Cleese, Eric Idle, Michael Palin, Terry Jones, Graham Chapman, and Terry Gilliam were the core. You... Were the core Python members. They also had Carol Cleveland for female roles, and they'd sometimes bring in Neil Innes and a couple of other dudes. You name Monty Python cast members the same way I list off my uh, Fire Emblem waifus. Well, I used to have the Monty Python script books growing up. I know who's a lot your, about who's Monty your Monty Python. Python. Who's your Monty Python waifu? Who's my uh, MVP? Husbando. <laughs> yeah, who's your husbando? Who's my most valuable Python? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was fond of Eric Idle. Okay. He did all the songs. That's nice. I, think, I like Terry uh, Gilliam's movies. I like the movie Terry. The movies Terry Gilliam. See, a lot of, see, the thing about the other Pythons is that they worked in pairs. Cleese and Chapman wrote together. Uh, Michael Palin and Terry Jones wrote together. And Eric Idle wrote his stuff by himself. So I think mm. in the case of the other Pythons, they kind of need each other to work. To work best. Gotcha. So they're truly a team. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. Did we, do Lo we, did we acknowledge Loco Baxter? Uh, uh, no, I think we're on, uh, you, uh, your, you, oh, no. Welcome to Early Access, oh, Loco Baxter. Welcome, welcome, uh, Loco Baxter. Yes, now we're on Max Kent. Okay, Max Kent gives 9.99. It says, the first Bioshock was such a good commentary on libertarian politics, and I hate how infinite, how in infinite Ken goes for the both sides of bad centrist nonsense when they turn Daisy and the Vox into villains. Fair enough. It's funny how when people yeah. say libertarian, they often mean objectivist and vice versa. I think those two viewpoints are sort of blurred together at this point. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I would. I would. I would absolutely say so. 
And yeah, I, 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 I'm curious if the, because I know that there were originally much grander plans for Daisy Fitzroy in, um, in Infinite, which are sort of alluded to in the Burial at Sea um, DLCs. But, have we mentioned uh, yet that Bioshock Infinite should have been called Culture Shock? Uh, you've mentioned that many times, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Zero well, I've, well and, I felt like we should have mentioned it earlier. And like Prey should be called Space Shock? Uh, Psycho Shock. Psycho Shock, that was yeah. it. Or Brain Shock, or one of those. Yeah. Uh, and Rich, uh, uh, Danganronpa could be called uh, Weeb Shock. Yeah, whatever. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Richard gives $2, says, Have you played Stroke Scene, the Receiver series? No, I have not. What's that then? The receiver series? Is that a I game? I assume it's uh, spelled correctly in its original form. Uh, receiver. Um, oh, I remember this game. It came out like 10 years ago and it had incredibly realistic gun mechanics. Okay. It was like a gun that could jam and you could pull. It was like a game jam game. So one that, of those games uh, where if you reloaded before you'd emptied the gun, you'd lose whatever bullets were left in the previous clip. Exactly, exactly. And you could jam it and you could kind of fuck it up. It, it very much seems like something that could work in VR if they didn't VR it. Okay. If they haven't VR'd it yet. Uh, Mad Cowboy, member for three months in early access, says, yeah, it's opinion on Terry Pratchett. He was a good one. He's one of my influences. I read a lot of him as a teenager. He's good. There you go. Feel the approval. Uh, Joachim Havaldson, butchered the fuck out of that, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, gives a hundred Norwegian kroner to says, Connery, you shall not pass, Mish Bullrog. Slap, you shall not pass. Slap. Have some money for the edutainment fund. By the way, would this donation perchance count as charity? Well, I hope not. I'm not sure where that far gone. <laughs> like, I don't like in terms of a tax write-off. I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't. If you're yeah, trying to like, so. if you're trying to lie to someone that you share a bank account with, you can lie and say it goes to charity. Yeah, um, the charity of our paychecks. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, referencing Sean Connery's status as a wife beater. There, classy. <laughs> Phil which somehow ass. was sometimes translated into onset roles, which was yeah. great. Yeah. Fill my ass up. Always a pleasure to see Phil my ass up. Gives 50 Norwegian Krona. Says the Bioshock series is pretty much done with Infinite. Would a sequel be redundant? Well, I guess Infinite wasn't redundant because it was doing something new. So mm -hmm. I, if they just made a new Bioshock game that also did something new, maybe you could explore what's a philosophy that hasn't been tested. Uh, 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 Dar Darwinism. Okay, I think that's pretty. Been, that's been pretty thoroughly tested. Nope, what's said it, San Diego what's a philosophy of governance that hasn't been tested? Well, they always say communism has never been done properly. I feel like yeah. I guess I guess they could do like a a, a straight up. Well, I guess it's not so much a philosophy of governance as a new format in which we can reframe the situation where some guys in an isolated environment turn themselves into monsters with some alien goo they found. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, there have uh, been, been like reports of a setting of like a, a, a city underground at the North Pole or like a Vegas-esque sort of like pleasure, like City of Sin kind of pleasure dome. But all that kind of sounds like stuff. Hedonism. Ooh, ooh. Hedonism. Logan, Logan's Run City. 
where everyone has to die uh, when they're 30. And uh, Ken Levine, a giant fan of Logan's Run, has even written a screenplay, um, supposedly, that is being turned into an actual movie. So. Huh. Uh, Handsome Aaron gives $5, says, Why would you need to know how to design a level when all you do is sit around collecting money from Steam? Oh. oh Bit of a biting rascals. criticism of Valve there. You rascals. Well, I was, really want well, more well, things they, like Half-Life Alex. Yeah, they did make Half-Life Alex, which you'd be surprised to hear involved a certain amount of level design. Yeah, very good level design. It's just they've, very they've, high barrier to entry. They've probably got a bunch of projects they're working on on the quiet that will probably never see the light of day. I'm sure there's been, been many attempts at new Portal games, many attempts at new uh, Half-Life games, many attempts at new IP. Mr. John, Mr. John Ryasher gives $5, says, have some money for the great work you guys do. Also, Rumble Rumble. Which I believe is a reference to the latest episode of Adventure is Nigh that went up for subscribers. Look at that. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Everyone, everybody do the rumble, rumble. Rumble, 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 rumble. And don't forget, rumble, rumble, wiggly worm. I would never, I would never forget rumble, rumble. Rumble, rumble, wiggly worm. In jokes. Guess you'd all, guess you've all got to buy a membership to figure out what we're on about. I guess I have to buy a membership to figure out what we're on about. Or I can watch it in the back end. I don't want to watch it in the back end. What am I, let's, let's... I watched that okay. back in. Ooh. <clears throat> abba, abba. <clears throat> uh, Ricky gave us five Canadian dollars, says, hope this isn't a personal question, but what made you decide to have kids, Yaz, when you initially thought you weren't going to have any? Well, because uh, my wife wanted them, and I sort of came around on the idea. I mean, mm -hmm. living with babies is hell, but I came around to the notion of, you know, forming a small child and teaching them my ways and passing on my knowledge and experience to the next generation yeah. so that I might in some small way live on although of course I'm not going to be one of those helicopter parents who wants to vicariously live through their child I want them to become their own person and it's nice to know that I contributed to that what if your kids grow up to become big Danganronpa fans I will I will live with it. <laughs> It'll take you a while to come to terms with. I will I will uh live with it and ask them if they maybe wouldn't be happier playing Persona <laughs> one of these days. Max Kent gives four ninety nine dollars. Says Marty, I saw John Mullaney live last Friday and don't worry he's still got it even without the Coke. That's good to hear. I saw him live when he had the Coke and he was great. Um, and so it's good to know that even without the coke, he's still great. He is a famous stand-up comedian who uh, went through a very public rehab, and he talks about it in his sets and whatnot. Haven't they all? If, uh, not, if not the very public re rehab, then the very public early death. I was, I was about to say, you either do the rehab or uh, you, you end up at in, in memoriam at the Oscars at, in your 30s. Yes. The Bill Hicks, Mitch Hedberg, Robin Williams route. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, hard. that's not fair on Bill Hicks, because he, he died of cancer. That is true. Well, I'm sure he was on some drugs. Yeah, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. John Belushi. Yeah, Richard Pryor. Pryor. And all Shrek. 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 Yeah, Shrek passed away because of substance abuse. Shrek's a man, not like Shrek. Too much, Mike Myers is fine. Too much smelling his own farts. 
Too much smell like his own farts. That's classic Shrek. Josh McKenzie gives five dollars and says, "What is something you would like to do, stroke experience in a game, video, or tabletop that has yet to be done?" Also, cake or death, which is an Eddie Izzard reference. Oh, that's good. And I would like cake, please. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, I think I'd prefer the chicken. That's also an Eddie Izzard reference. Look and at that. Those in the know will know. Um, I don't. I don't know, Josh. Uh, as I've always said, if we could predict the next big thing, we'd be rich. Mm-hmm. I, I, I. Mm, mm. That's the thing. Is like I didn't realize I wanted a game where I built a little boat and started a community and then ferried those people to the afterlife. But it turns out they made a game, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, um, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I didn't know I wanted a game about checking paperwork at the border. Yeah, but, but uh, it's pretty it, good. It was good, and it was a banger. Yeah, I want a game set at a bar. I want to capture how much I loved my local bars in San Francisco. I want someone to bottle that up and put it in game form. I don't I'm know what the game is. Sure, I am sure there is a game that can uh, that can accommodate you there. What's that game? Yeah, yeah. Coffee Talk, I think it's called. There's where a you're coffee like a, talk. There's a, a game barista. Valhalla. Where you're like uh, a bartender of Valhalla with like ones and yeah, shit root, like that. Root beer tapper. Root beer tapper. Yeah. Catherine kind of scratches a little. That's got some good bar stuff. Too many mm. booths though. Not not enough sitting at the bar. Hmm. It would need to be a thing where you could sort of, if you want to do a thing where you have to like explore the stories of everyone who comes into the bar. So, so my, you need some kind of core mechanic that you can do that with. So my, an idea I had a, a while ago before it became like the in vogue mechanic in all games was a time loop game that's set at last call at a bar. So mm. the, the loop is whatever, 15, 20 minutes um, in between last call and when you have to actually leave. And that there's X number of characters in the bar and that how you spend your 20 minutes, you can spend it talking to the person you were currently talking to, talking to the bartender, trying to cause some trouble, trying to solve little mysteries, trying to run away as far as you can in 20 minutes. Um, that kind of thing. But then 12 minutes came around and it all became about sister kissing. And so I don't know if you could do my bar game without sister kissing. So hmm. who knows? Well, anyway, mm-hmm. Sleeper Sniper gives two Canadian dollars and says, what do you think about Metro Exodus? Well, I'll tell you how you could find out, Sleeper Sniper. You could go and watch my zero punctuation review of that very game. Metro Exodus, uh, uh, I was a little disappointed that it took the unique vibe of the Metro series and just made another pseudo-open-world action-adventure game. I didn't actually play it. I have no thoughts on it. I, didn't, I haven't played the original Metro either. I've never been on a train. You're missing out. <laughs> on Metro Wait, or on Do you live in, in Los Angeles or something? <laughs> That's a little LA humor. Yeah. The public transports for dog shit down there. Really bad. Andrew White Windsor gives two dollars. Says sorry, Marty. Playing Cult of Lamb now. It's great. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I didn't like it. I don't like it. A lot of people uh, didn't. Yeah, because as as we've said, you know, if you like roguelikes, there are better roguelikes, and if you like base management, there are better base management games. Yeah, I don't know. It's not even the the um, the aesthetic and the theme didn't really uh, sink its teeth into me. Like mm. I thought it would. That's fine. I'm glad people are enjoying it. That's fine. KM gives $2 and says, Noam Chomsky defines libertarianism as populism. Well, what does he know? 
What is that? I mean, Noam Chomsky's very smart. It also feels like he's he's missing a letter in his first name. Or I feel like it should be Norm Chomsky, but his name's Noam. I don't know what Noam is. Noam? Well, maybe he's from another culture. Maybe he's yeah, normal around where he grew up. It's But would it be a normal? <laughs> or would there be an art? He's from Philadelphia. I assume he's got immigrant parents then. He does. He, he does. I'm sure he does. Alexander Speaks gives 199 and says, When will you teach the children the blade? Uh, well... I was like, are you still there? Yeah, I mean, I was wondering what he was on about, but I guess he's talking about my kids. Yeah, when uh, will you teach your children the blade? Like, the, teach them the blade. I'll teach them how to prepare a steak. I there you go. For... At some point, so they can like get off their ass and cook dinner for everyone once in a while. There you go. Take I made nice. a lovely teriyaki beef uh, this weekend. Ooh. Made little teriyaki beef bowls with like one third of the bowl was rice and one third was teriyaki beef and one third was steamed broccoli. Very nice. That sounds incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, big Noam Chomsky update. Uh, Noam is his uh, middle name. His, his first name is Avram. Well, this so is just that, raising further questions. This has been my uh, Noam Chomsky. His mom, Carol Chomsky. No, is this his mom or his, or his wife? Okay, now I'll, I'll report back next week when I have more on. Oh, this is his spouse. Do we know his okay. heritage, though? His parent, William Chomsky, from uh, the uh, present-day Ukraine. Oh, Ukrainian. There you go. The former, the former, the former Russian Empire, now Ukraine. Okay, that's been uh, Chomsky the, Watch. Yes, the, f- the uh, former and future Russian Empire. Yeah. Oh. 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 Uh, Jack Sykes gives one seventy nine pounds and uh, apparently allergic to spaces, but apparently he says, "Yatsov was two thousand nine. It made me try it, and it became my fave." Okay. Wolfenstein 2009 vid. Was Wolfenstein 2009 the uh that was that the the Raven one, Return to Castle? Yes, that was the that was the teal one. The one that was the yeah. sequel to Return to Castle Wolfenstein. And I <laughs> the and, teal one. And I reviewed it in uh, Limericks because I oh, was bored. That's yeah. neat. I did the entire review in Limericks because I felt like it. I like that. Man, I remember and, when Raven was allowed to make games? Let yeah, uh, Raven make yeah. games again. Microsoft. Well, they're free to make games whenever they want. It's just uh, whether there'll be any good. That is true. That is true. All right. That that was the last of the Super Chats. Saying that will probably bring some more in. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for watching, stroke, listening to Slightly Something Else. We were talking about Bioshock for a while there, mm-hmm. which is 15 years old. If you haven't played it, what the fuck's wrong with you? Although I guess wait till after Gamescom in case they are announcing another remake. Yeah, who knows? That could be tomorrow. Oh, who who, who could have fucking guessed? Yo, hey, Jim now you have... can spell, you can spell his y- name or pronounce his name. Yoa, Yoa Kim Horvhaldson. Thank you, Yoa Kim Horvhaldson. Gives 100 Norwegian kroner. Says, watching Better Call Saul, season 3, ATM. I try to keep things classy. Winky face. I'm formulating arguments for the Norwegian IRS. Jesse's Greek education should count as a write-off. Okay. I like it. 
as someone who knows quite a bit about the Norwegian IRS, I think you can I think you can get away with it personally. There you go. Yeah. So uh, that'll be it from us for now. Tune in later today and you'll get to watch Jack Packard continuing his special Elden Ring run in which he plays a, a pot. He plays a pot. He's a pot man. He's a pot yeah, man. We'll be back in, in 90 minutes. There was someone who was very sad that they that Jack doesn't exist anymore. And let me tell you, Jack still exists. And you can see him in 90 minutes right here. Yeah, he's and then alive. later tonight, uh, 6 p.m. Central, we got uh, 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 Hidden Gems with the aforementioned Jesse and Casey playing uh, Roller Drome. Did you get to play any Roller Drome? I did play a bit. I didn't play very long. I sort of liked uh, the idea of bringing ultraviolence into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but I never really got into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater when it was a thing. Mm, that makes it tough. I don't know why. I just, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't like that whole thing where you jump off a ramp and then have to hold down nine buttons to do tricks. Yeah, that's like the whole game. So if you yeah. didn't like that, that's probably you probably shouldn't play it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, tomorrow we have a very special day of streams because tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central, uh, we are debuting our brand new uh, entertainment live show, The Recap, which is kind of like Breakout, but just for, for movies and, and TV discussion. And it's going to be helmed by one Darren Mooney. So I know nice. y'all, if y'all like uh, uh, the wonderful Darren Mooney and his opinions, uh, he'll be joining uh, Nick and I tomorrow, 11 a.m., a live show, and we'll be talking about um, sort of our plans for what the recap's going to be going forward. It's a weekly show, and then, yeah, we'll be talking about our House of the Dragon thoughts, the new Game of Thrones uh, spinoff, which premiered last night, some She-Hulk thoughts, all sorts of good stuff. So tune in for that. And then afterwards, 1 p.m. Central, is that aforementioned Jeff Keighley video game Bonanza Spectacular. Ooh. And we'll be doing our live pre and post show, uh, Nick, Jamaica, and I. So uh, tune in for that. A couple hours of spoofs and goofs and announcements and all sorts of shit Yahtzee's not going to care about. Spectacular, no less. Spectacular. Well, let's hope they announce a few more fucking games the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, yep, a few more came in. Henry14356 gives one ninety nine and says, Thank you. Ricky gives two Nicky dollars, says, Last Super Chat. Wish everyone here a great day. David Henry gives 3699 AEDs. I think that's United Arab Emirates Dinari. And says, long time lurker, first time contributor. Thanks for all the content, chaps. What's the game you hate yourself for liking? P.S. I use as hard as nailing a poppadom to a gazelle at work often. <sighs> a bit late for a final question, David Henry. Uh, what's a video game you hate yourself for liking? I'm proud of all the games um, I like. I hate myself for liking all those Japanese porn games. Yeah, but the porn's real good. There's so much orc massaging. Tove, finish your dinner. I'm offering you some nice, healthy boogers. Boogers. Mm. Mm, tasty bogeys. Mm. Eat all the boogies. Yum, yum. Yahtzee, how could you? I noticed it was bothering someone in the chat. <clears throat> well, there you go. So, and of course, zero punctuation this week is on the subject of Fashion Police Squad on Wednesday, Ooh. and I'll be streaming that with whoever feels like they're the most invested in that. Week after that, I'll be doing Saints Row. Seems like everyone's already, uh, that's uh, already the pinata of the week in the larger review circles. But this you'll, you'll see my opinion about that next week. Uh, also, your extra punctuation will be live to everyone on Thursday on, on Cozy Games. Certainly will. Wait, live to everyone or just, yeah, live to everyone, because it went yeah, through yeah, access yeah. last week. 
Yeah. And then uh, same thing with uh, Adventures 9. We'll be episode uh, uh, 9 of season 2. We'll be live to everyone on uh, on Saturday. And then, yeah, we'll have 3MRs for stuff like Tinykin and Islets and the Destroy All Humans. You can check out my 3MR for Saints Row. So yeah, all sorts of stuff. You guys, you have, you are, you're fucking lousy with stuff to watch. Yeah, you're spoiled. You, we you're spoil absolutely. You. Absolutely. Or just go back and play some Bioshock. That's fine. Just the first, like, third. And then you're good. Yeah. Or watch other things on the internet, because that'll spoil you for choice as well. There's so much stuff on the internet. I keep thinking I found it all, and then there's more. Uh, okay. Well, that'll be it. And uh, uh, in preparation for everyone watching Adventure is Nigh on Saturday, I'll just close by saying, rumble, 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 wiggly, wiggly, worm. Bye. We'll get a little magic spell. <laughs>